<laughs> Spooky dookie. Oh yes, tonight is the night. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. I have, I've been prepping. Yeah. I ain't watched as many horror movies as I normally do. I normally do one a day, you know what I mean? And I've let it slip a oh, little I bit. I haven't seen you know any. Mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he's in none. I've just had that time. Oh, well, but I have, done, I have done some um, some uh, cameras of, of, of spooky cats. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the cats are good, man. Yeah. Black cats, you got to have a black, black cat. Cats, I can do black man. cats Yeah, yeah. Black chubby black. cat as well. Chubby like. cat. Yeah, you can't be a chubby cat. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's what I've been doing. I've been doing a bit of art. Yeah, you know. But I've been enjoying myself. It's yeah, nice. that's good though. That's the main nice. thing. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. That's going to be really, really nice. Yeah. It's still been spooky in its own way. Yeah, yeah. And I've been enjoying everybody else getting into spooky behaviour and things yeah, like that. Absolutely. So it's been, been very nice. So what, I'm reading Salem's Lot at the moment and I watch Salem's Lot. You know, I've got it on DVD. You know what I mean? It's about. <laughs> on DVD! <laughs> on D- is, it, is it that one? DVD! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to dust that puppy off, you know what I mean? But yeah, what a fucking. I love Salem's Lot. Oh, I won't yeah. go down to telly room. Straight <laughs> into the telly room. <laughs> the Salem's Lot fucking is about three and a half hours long. My TV straight into it. <laughs> it's spooky, in it. <laughs> when he's at window, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's spooky, you know. It's still on telly again. <laughs> well, I'll get another fucking file watch it on my phone or something. <laughs> get all modern. <laughs> <laughs> for me, spooky. I, I, I've sort of turned a little bit now. I think for spookiness for me, yeah. I've enjoyed, like I said, reading it. And the thing is, as well, because I've been doing research. That's the thing I've been yeah, doing yeah. research for, for the old code. Oh, yeah, you actually you've been doing work. I've been watching <laughs> telly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's my research. Yeah. Doing me ox. <laughs> because for those of you who don't know, this is Crack and Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon on the bazaar. And I'm Matt. I'm Benny. And here we are on the beach outside Crack and Cove Lighthouse oh, now. Mate, that fire's massive now. <laughs> it's bigger than last year, I reckon. It's really lighthouse is on fire. <laughs> Well, it's <laughs> raining and I can't feel the rain. It's evaporating before it gets to me. Oh, eyebrows gone. Like tight, shiny face. <laughs> <laughs> Good walls, pot, sausage. I've been receding headlines doubled. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what you're gonna be. You've got to stay cosy on the old lighthouse, oh, and you've got to be careful when you're out here. Why, Akin? Why? Because the things, lots of things happen with lighthouses. The spooky Is places, it? yeah. We suppose they're old, aren't they? There's yeah. all them accidents that happen and that. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> all the accidents. You shitting yourself? Only <laughs> <laughs> downstairs daily. <laughs> So luckily, you see, what we've got now, we've got a few little stories from the listeners as well. Oh, nice, is there? Well yeah. done. Well yeah, done, guys. So, we've got some, so we're really, really grateful for those. Um, but um, we've also got some more, more stories to come from various other sorts of yeah, So I'm going to cover quite a few little bases. So we need yeah. to strap in, you know. So. Definitely. And I've got a few cheekies, Aki. Wow, have you? Well, you sent me out in field, didn't you, with little money, with two yearly, two-day holiday. <laughs> <laughs> 
I ripped it apart, Arkin. Edinburgh. Oh, wowzers, man. I've been before, but it was like with Triple X fucking years ago, you know what I mean? I didn't, like, what do you, mean you know, like, ex girlfriend, ex girlfriend, ex girlfriend. <laughs> 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 I'm living some sort of travelling porn group. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't Quad X, it was Triple X, you know what I mean? Uh, and it were alright, there was something going up on that fucking hill with, uh, with stuff. Now, I have to find out, I have to do a bit of research before I open my god, but that was a good time, but this time I proper enjoyed it. Two days, or, you know, two nights. Yeah. Proper bloody hell, Edinburgh, what a cosy, beautiful place yeah, it is. It's, it's very Halloween-y as well, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. the old town and stuff, it's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, so many winding passageways and stairways and yeah. alleyways. And you could just walk, oh, we did just fucking walk around fully just loving that side of yeah. things, you know what I mean? You can do a lot of free, but fucking hell, it's expensive. <laughs> 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 so, have you got any little reports? Well, uh, yeah, don't really. Well, well, I've taped a few. Do I have a little listen to what Benny's been doing? Yeah, yeah come on then, let's have a little listen to that then. Yeah, let me fucking get this on. Get my, get my peepers off. <laughs> <laughs> Your worried face. <laughs> yeah, let's have a little look. Let's see you all prepared. I'll just put it in a dodgy place. Here we go. Hiya, it's Benny, reporting live from Kraken Cove, spooky Halloween specials. I'm live in Edinburgh on my two yearly two day holiday. I'm up on the castle walls and I'm about to delve into the spooky side of Edinburgh to be the very tops of the castle to the depths of the vaults. Join me, Benny, on a Kraken Cove. Spooky hunt! This was fucking a little bit dangerous what we're doing. <laughs> This is Benny reporting live at Greyfriars Bobby, the dog that couldn't be asked doing anything since his owner died. <laughs> I'm only joking, poor little pooch. Once his owner died, he won't leave his grave, uh, and they've built a statue of him uh, to come over to to thank Bobby for being such a good pooch. Uh, his nose is all rubbed golden from all the rubbing up, it's supposed to be good luck. But I went to off-licence this morning and Block assured me that it ain't just his nose that is gold and he's rubbed, it's also his wanger. <laughs> so I'm gonna have a little look to see if it's inside his little legs, a golden wanger. So bear with me. I'm fighting through the crowds. People are taking turns rubbing it. I'm in. I'm taking a photo live, guys. The wang is gold. I repeat, the wanger is gold. I'm off. They're looking at me funny. See you, mate. Yeah, I'm back live. People are looking a little bit fucking funny at me now. You know what I mean? So I went in for a quick pint. I'm coming out. I'm gonna try touch his wanger and his nose at the same time. We might start a fight this so just if phone goes all funny and rattly and that you know I've dropped it on the floor and I'm probably losing but uh, I'm gonna go in so bear with me here we go I'm coming in approaching the dog I've got me fucking buses there's a bit of a queue going on here I'm in the wrong side of things here here we go Jesus Christ, I think, man, I got a mild electric shock then. You touch its wanger and its nose at the same time, you get an electric shock, I swear to God. Uh, they're frowning at me, the crowd's turning a little bit. I'm crossing road out of this shit. Oh, taxi's in the way. Oh, I'm off, I'm safe. 
I'm over the road. I'm away from the trouble. I'm getting a bit of jeering from the crowd, but that was worth it. I really recommend touching its nose and its knob at the same time, people. <laughs> Something really <laughs> electrifying happens. Uh, it's not a bad binding pub behind it as well. Uh, Benny checking out for the time being. Yeah. Spooky yeah, crowd didn't like it. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> didn't like it. Well, the one is after all, all those little grey fires, but when you're reaching, you're not round, but no. But they were all doing it afterwards. You should have seen them around that little dog's cock afterwards. No, the one. The war afterwards. They were like they didn't know about it. You know what I mean? But the must must do because it's golden. Let me show you a picture of it. I'm out, I'm, well, <laughs> you see it down there, all gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cock, yeah, you just rub it's got but got it, you give me electric shock, I don't know it was like some stuff. Maybe build you've been uh, maybe you've been sort of uh, imbued with the spirit of uh Grey Fox's <laughs> <Bobby. laughs> might come after me tonight. <laughs> what a bit more <laughs> buy me cock off, yeah. <laughs> rub it, rub it. I don't want <laughs> you rubbed it before you did bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Alright then. Everyone's been there, that's it, you started off on a little thing there. My fingers stank though, I have to go fucking sanitize No wonder we like Covid right, has a bad Yeah, right, proper coppery smell to it, <laughs> oh, fucking night. So that's part, part one of me, uh, Edinburgh Investigations. <laughs> this is part two, The Crips. Are you oh, ready right, for this? Okay, yeah, What's it, the vaults in it? Yeah. There we go, oh, fucking is it? Uh, oh, fucking hell, I hate it. Here we go. This is Benny, reporting for The Cove. Out here, Edinburgh, late night. Last showing of The Vaults. I'm about to go down and get spooked out, guys. Let's see what these vaults are made of. Checking out, see in a bit. Spooky hunt. Yeah, couldn't get into vaults. Fucking <laughs> Americans. <laughs> that was the first night I thought, right, straight to vaults, you know what I mean? I thought, yeah. all right, maybe this or that. Got there, no, totally fully booked out. I'm like, well, what do you do? Like, book online, so I booked online. Fucking everything was booked out. I couldn't get down there at all. You couldn't no, get in vaults. Couldn't get in vaults. It was full. You know, because it was Halloween. All Americans, all fucking lads. You checked out. out before, and you know, man. Did you check it out before you went? Well, it was like the first night. I thought, oh, I'm gonna get in here. You know what I mean? And I wanted to. So oh, I've got, I've got tomorrow day after. You know, I couldn't get in at all. <laughs> it was fully booked out. I'm mortified, man. Every ten minutes, I thought, is there a cancellation? They keep bobbing. Is there a cancellation? They were sick of me. Oh, they're fucking in the cancellation. <laughs> British bastard! <laughs> oh no! You almost like were mortified, Matt, or absolutely mortified. So we had to do different kind of research, you know what I mean? Okay, so, what did you do instead? Well, it, <laughs> I think I think Crip cost about 30 quid or something, so I got lashed up a bit on 30 quid because I thought I would have spent it on vaults, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just started staggering around town a little bit then, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, pubs are racing Edinburgh, aren't they? Really good pubs. You didn't get to the dagger, did you? Hiya, it's Bennett, reporting live again, Cracking Cove. I'm a bit lashed up now, so bear with me. I don't really know where I am, but I'm in a square. It's the White Hart. The White Hart in uh, the Beehive in. Uh, loads of pubs here, really old pubs, uh, and it's like a square. But apparently, they used to hang people here. Thousands used to come out looking at all this ghastly hanging, tongue lolling, rest of it, snap, have it. Uh, yeah. Can't really see any ghosts, loads of people carrying on. It's pretty late, like I said, I'm a bit lashed up trying to find a kebab. Uh, I might leave it at this one, I don't know. I'll see if there's any more Benny adventures. I'm ever sniffing around see if I see any ghosts. Take care, guys. Spooky home. Well, a bit more research <laughs> afterwards. Oh, no, I got a kebab, I got, I got a lie, we're arsehole. Uh, but got my kebab, which is nice. Next day, back at off license, see, we're on about. Um, 
were on about this last call, Maggie or something. Uh, husband went sailing, never came back, she was mortified. Then her baby died, and they're all like, oh my god, she's killed her own baby, you know what I mean? Hang the bitch. Yeah. So they strung her up, and that were it, bang, you know, into the coffin, on the way to mortuary. Uh, and then bang, 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 someone's knocking on the fucking coffee door. So oh, they open the door and she's there, Maggie's all right. They're like, right, turn it down, go hang her again. She's carrying on like, you've only won, she can't do it twice. And they got back and they're like, no, we can't, we've signed death yeah, certificate, you know, you can't, you can't hang her twice. Uh, and guess what she did after that, you know what I mean? You've got a new chance at life, haven't you? You know what I mean? You think, you're really the walking dead, you know what I mean? You couldn't yeah. really get prosecuted for hope, really. She's going to do all she wants, really. Yeah, but you think, you look around and think, you know what, I'm going to be good in my life, or, you know, I'm going to really yeah. turn a circle. No, she used to go to every fucking public hanging and stand there jeering at them, saying, ah, it's no, I've done it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Jeering at the people getting oh, up. No. That were a favourite pastime. What a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I that's a good bit of research, that Yeah, one. I thought I did all right, you know what I mean? Got a few scrapes, so, you know what I mean? Because I'm staying at that one of them, uh, is it Airbnb? You oh, know what yeah. I mean? And, I mean, location was sexy. It was like underneath Castle. And this hanging square, that's where I knew about yeah. it. And that's where Offy dudes were and that. He were, I don't know, silly. He had loads of information to that bloke off. <laughs> I mean, you just get an eight back and that, you know what I mean? He tells you all sorts of stuff, you're like a tall guy, you were ace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I found, you know, because internet shit and it's good, because under the they're booked out on both. Wait a second, wait a second, internet shit that it's good. What, what, what do we, I don't know what you mean well, by that. Well, basically, it's shit because they're fully booked out the vaults. You don't just queue up anymore, do you? Right, you okay, book online, yeah, yeah. and I don't know about all that. I mean, I could have done it a week ago, couldn't I? Yeah. But, um, well, that's sort of thing I were asking you. Yeah. I didn't check. <laughs> I don't know, only a Benny. <laughs> I'm trying. I've learnt my lesson. Now I'm going to be fucking all over it. Huh? But um, it's good because you can wonder. I didn't know where the hell I was. You know, Edinburgh, New City. You know what I mean? I yeah. I've been before. I couldn't really remember it. But you know, with that Google walk around, that like Google Maps, and you can, you know, you put in your location. Oh, right, yeah. I was like, you'd go everywhere, couldn't you? Found Airbnb, no problem, you know what I mean? Oh, a little bit of a problem because you're like 45. I thought, right, you're on the right street. And it looked well gnarly, did this street, you know what I mean? I'm like, look, you're all. Not the street, the, the block, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was surrounded by this green fence, a big iron old dirty spooky fence, and it were all fucked up inside in this courtyard. Yeah. Really small little kind of corridor you had to go down. So I'm there with bag and I think, Jesus, this is a bit dodgy, you know what I mean? So I open the, the gate, you know what I mean? Like walking down, and they're like this sharp corner, loads of bushes, really All dark. Right, yeah. and I'm like, no, I'm saying, see, now, kid, you know what I mean? I've got to do this shit. <laughs> but, you know, I don't just, you know, walk around the corner, you know, I had a little shifty around. I shit you not, there was this massive Scottish man there, leaning up, pissed out of his head, pissing all over the door that I had to use. <laughs> I put my head around like, fuck it. I went, ugh, fucking hell. <laughs> and he looked around, you know, with that blurry face. I went, oh, sorry, mate. You know what I mean? I scarfed a bit and I had to wait for him to fuck off. But then he remembered. Really, I had to wait for him to stop pissing all over your door. <laughs> all over my door? Like, you do, you bastard. I've got to use that. 
But you know, in your memory, you fill in the gaps, can't you? Because I've already had a quick gander at him. I yeah. didn't hang around to have a look at him, you know what I mean? But <laughs> now I've got him, like, he did have red curly hair, you know what I mean? He wore about 50, you know what I mean? And he wore massive. But I've got him in full kilt, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, did, I think I did see his cock and all, which wasn't pleasant. But he was pure iron brew streaming out. I remember oh, seeing the, you know, when he's orange, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's orange. Every time he opened the door, I'm like, oh, you dirty bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that smell, you know what I mean? <laughs> Biscuit. <laughs> right, biscuit. <laughs> yeah, it was. Right, but it got a bit warmer next day as well, so it was a very fucking word. Uh, yeah, and it was really. <laughs> <laughs> right, enjoy pubs and that, but right. the vault, so I'm gutted about the vault. Next time, Arkin, next time. Two years' time, you can go again. Yeah, can you book for us all shit on it? I'll get on it. <laughs> Thank you, Arkin. <laughs> First boat out of the harbour today. You see, we've got uh, we've got a little um, one in from a, a guy called Martin, and he's a bit of a local historian. He's Martin, and, oh, uh, and he's, he's done a few, he's done a few little stories and stuff, and he's a very interesting chap. And one of his uh, got of his, one of his renditions of uh, about the about the Carvely poltergeist. Wow! Now Carvely, for those who don't know, we have actually talked about Carvely before on. I remember here. it, yeah, yeah. yeah well, we did talk about a there was a famous murder in the area, you That's know what right. I mean? And actually, talk about Edinburgh. If you remember rightly, we did a special on it where there was actually on um, uh, cannibals. Yeah, Shawnee Bean or something. Shawnee Bean, yeah, was like that, that came up one or But if yeah. you remember, one of them was at a building where a kid was kept in a, like a room and he went absolutely, it was absolutely bananas. Yeah, did he roast? Out. Yeah, yeah. roasted a boy, didn't he? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Broke out, and roasted a boy, and he was then sent down to Carvel. Yeah, because he was like some royal dude or some connection, that's right, connected like a one prince or a duke or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. or he was an earl, wasn't he? That's it. He'd away in Carvel. Yeah, so we're going back up to Carvely now again, yeah. you see. So what we've got here is the Carvely Poltergeist. Wow. So it says, Carvely Church itself has been exercised twice over the century by its own vicars. Jesus. The first time was in the 1700s after the early morning bell toller was found gravely injured laying at the bottom of the bell tower steps. The door to the tower in those days was on the inside of the church just to the left of the main doorway, which is still in situ today. But the entrance was later altered in the 1850s to the present tower outer door. The story in the 1700s, the regular village early morning bell tower failed to ring the 6am curfew bell. So concerned villagers gathered on not hearing the bell so went to knock him up. His wife said that he had left his bed earlier as normal and was gone. And she was also getting concerned too. So on entering the church the villagers discovered the gravely injured bloke laying at the bottom of the tower steps. He said that the ghost of Walter had appeared right, and had thrown him down. Whoa. Now this is Sir Walter Carvely. Now we've covered this as well, which was oh, yeah. yeah, it was it was it was a bit of a gambler and a rake and all yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff and he was he was chucking his money about and spending like mad and eventually got to a point where he was sort of getting called out on it. Yeah. And I think he was asking to borrow some money. If I remember right, he was asking to borrow money off somebody and they, and they turned him down. So it completely ballistic and just murdered his entire family. That were it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely lost Whoa. it at Carvely Hall. 
and murdered his family. But it, so this bloke said that Sir Walter, the ghost of Sir Walter, had appeared and chucked him down these stone oh, stairs. Hell. You don't get that much, do you? Like proper violence, but getting a full throw. Oh, man, and that's falling that. downstairs. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't like yeah, it. I fucking Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but around the t this time, other strange happenings have been going on and in around the valley, uh, the village in the parish. For a period during one summer, the church bell would start tolling in the early hours of the morning by itself for no reason, with concerned villagers gathering outside the locked church door. And on finding the keyholder, they did do a thorough search of the inside of the church, but no person was found. The phantom ghosts of Sir Walter Carvely and his loyal servant were also said to have been seen around this time and around the old manor house and the commons and over Woodall Hills. So it's meant to be uh, meant to have been seen around the, the commons and everything. Him and his mate, two yeah, of them. Two of them on headless horses. Jesus. Yeah, which is a weird one, that. This, it is, isn't this it? is something I hear more and more commonly is that they don't know. There's a lot of people riding headless horses. They don't know why the horses are headless. But I've heard this time and time again in the research. Oh, it's horrible, you know, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you'd always imagine like a headless horseman. You imagine yeah, it's yeah. the horseman who's headless, not the horse. That's exactly, got that's what's yeah. confusing. Where does he know what he's doing? Well, <laughs> 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 it's true, isn't yeah, it? It's really true, you know. Well, this is another thing that, that he's supposedly being seen around the area, right? Wow. Right, and you could hear him. And he was screaming, right? Was so uh, in the agony was so over. And he says, "A pundamore, leg it on, leg it on, leg it on." Right. And the meaning of this, right, is because he was pressed to death at uh. New York, which is where they lay a board on top of you, pin you down, and start piling weight onto the board. Oh man, medieval stuff makes me want to chuck up. And that's what he was doing, right? And he says, "What were he saying?" He, he was in. Well, he basically what he was wanting. He wanted just get get the way get me killed. It's just yeah, too much. Just yeah, get it on. Get it, it, get it all point, done. Yeah. So a pound or more. Leg it on. Leg it on. Oh, leg it on. Oh, <laughs> nasty. And the method of execution of being pressed to death at York. So his loyal servant was also executed the same day. When after seeing his master in so much pain during the execution method. That he jumped on top of Walter to try and finish him off quicker. <laughs> <laughs> but for this contempt of court action, he too was also executed in the same way. Oh, God. I mean, can you imagine that? No, God. Good on him, though, jumping all over oh, his mouth. No, that was a sight, wasn't it? I bet that was vile to uh. see that jumping, especially you. <laughs> Get off me, you man. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> Well, apparently the area seems to be also around here, around yeah. this area, right? Which you can almost actually, if you look at the lighthouse, that's just, in it, that's garbage. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, but at the same time, there's an appearance again, a reappearance yeah. of a very large black of the night phantom dog that haunted Carverley Commons in its woods and especially the old river crossings and fords. Cool, the black dog is so back. Got, so local. So, yeah, well, it's basically because it's local here, it's the bag vest, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, we've got the bag vest and the haunted dog in this area. Headless as well. horses. Yeah, that's it. So, when the black dog appeared, um, and you see, there's lots of like this time, too, sort of like a lot of the earth and ground around those areas has been massively disturbed. Mm. I don't know if you know the area, the, those woods and stuff. Yeah. There's really a lot of mining activity started up there. Yes, I do know those woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got a pond in them as well. Yeah, they? and, yeah. The, and there's, uh, that's right, yeah. yeah. And there was a uh, the big cutting was done there. And I don't know if you've been down the cutting there, Carly Cutting. No. Oh my god, that's a creepy place. Is it? Yeah, it's basically quarrying deep, deep, deep into the stonework. 
like these huge walls. And when this activity was going on, this was about the time the Black Dog was seen. This was the time that, that, that Sir Walter was seen riding through these woods on his headless horses, him and his, his, his servant. And but apparently on this wall in this cutting, a stone head appeared of a horse. A horse's head has appeared in the woods. Right. Just overnight in the stonework it's appeared. Oh. So that's a that's a weird one. And eventually it got to the point where people are just freaking out and thinking, God, everyone's absolutely te- living in terror of Sir Walter and the area and everything. Like that. So eventually it was demanded, it, the villagers demanded that they needed a second exorcism. Yeah. So they'd had an exorcism to start with because of, they said, oh, Sir Walter's chucked this guy down the steps, yeah, you know, yeah. that one. But this is like an additional one. Yeah, that he did, you know. Let's make sure. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. So what they did was, um, he did an exorcism in the, in the general area of the village, right? And apparently his final words during the exorcism sermon were, As long as holly grows green in Carvely Woods, Sir Walter shall lay to rest and not return. Mm. Right. Now the woods down there, I don't know, they're absolutely full of holly yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But after this, as some of the lads, after leaving the church school, right up until the 1920s, would often play a game where they tried to raise the ghost of Walter by knocking three times on the church door and then chant, Old Carvely, Old Carvely, if thee appears, he will cut you into collops and grab you by the ears. Oh, wowzers! <laughs> so what they're saying is now, luckily, I think they're safe enough down Carvely Way because... Uh, because there's loads of holly in the area and all that yeah. sort of stuff. He's not really been seen since that. So. Jesus, in charge, you know. I like he's got his ghostly servant with him, too, know, though. That makes it. it really sinister, <coughs> doesn't it? does a bit, does it, somehow, yeah. yeah like Especially that like, they do for his master, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, and he got pressed as well, it's like... I know. You can see why they're together, really, can't Nasty yeah. jazz, isn't it? Mm. And so maybe you see the next little story might follow on from this one. Oh, sweetness. <laughs> So for this next one, you see, Martin's uh, written this account, and it's going back to the actual hall where right, the yeah. murders occurred, you yeah, see, really. so we're sticking with uh, Sir Walter Carvely. Yeah, he sounds a violent saw, yeah. I like it. He says here that it was um, the, the Carvely family murders occurred in the old hall in 1605, it wasn't until the 1700s that anything supernatural was reported. The Carvely family, having abandoned Carvely Old Hall in the late 1600s and moving to Eschelt Hall. Now the old hall was then rented out and converted into numerous dwellings. Though the said ghostly footsteps of Sir Walter walking down one of the corridors were the first things that led to rumours of it being haunted. The corridors were later walled up, but still the footsteps could be heard as if walking through the new walls. Now I don't know if you've seen this recently at Carly Old Hall. Um, people have been sort of, you know, been a bit of renovation work and they've had some money there recently to sort of like sort it out. Yeah. And they've taken some of these old walls down. Oh yeah. They have found the original Tudor walls behind it. Oh, Um, no way. It's it's, it's like people cannot believe what they found. Wow. Stuff from the the Elizabethan era, all this sort of stuff. Oh wow, that's brilliant. It looks 
incredible. So now, because they found this amazing stuff, they're renovating it to its former glory. Oh, brilliant. And they've got cash to do it. Some like oh, yeah, it's got grants. It's oh, got, yeah, it's good got, on yeah, them. You know yeah, what I mean? That's a little treasure, isn't it? No, it is. It's amazing. But what's it released? Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> but in 1796, Richard Birdsell, a leading Methodist preacher who was travelling throughout Yorkshire, was said to have stayed overnight in the old hall as a guest and was put up for the night whilst on a short visit to the village. And he widely reported the next morning that he earlier had a drink or two, mm. <laughs> but he was asleep for a couple of hours or so when he was woken up by what could only be described as a very heavy weight of an unknown force pressing down on his chest. No, we're getting pressed up some. Yeah, that's it. Lick it on. Yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> But then after that, he's been pressed, right? And then he was dragged out of bed twice by an unknown yeah, force. He's a violent ghost, yeah. isn't he? And on the third time, he was slung across into the corner of the room. So now many people believe he's the ghost of Sir Walter Carberry, who murdered two of his very young children in the hall and was executed at York for the pressing, by the pressing method, right? But soon after Richard Birdsell's encounter, a well-respected woman at the time who could sense spirits visited the old hall and said that she could feel a supernatural force, but it was that of a female, uh. not of a man, and she thought it to be Philippa, the wife of Sir Walter, rather than he himself. And Lady Philippa had survived the attack by her young husband during the murders taking place, and she was wearing a... A steel or whalebone reinforced corset or bodice, and that deflected the dagger. Bloody lucky there, like that. So after his execution, she later remarried again to Sir Thomas Burton of Leicestershire. But after her own death many years later, she had come back to haunt Carverley Hall looking for her two murdered children. Wow. So that's a weird one, isn't yeah, it? I think she like escaped the bloody blade though, I know, with a corset. You just know? with a mad corset, just yeah. doing that, yeah. With steel. What a frenzy he went into though, you know what I mean? What a crazy bastard. Oh, he, 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 he just went absolutely berserk. Yeah. Uh, and he was, I mean, basically, it sounds like. He was a classic family annihilator. He yeah. got himself into debt, he got himself into a spiral of absolute madness. Yeah. Couldn't get out with it. Thought, right, that's it, I'm taking everyone with Every me. Everybody comes with me. Yeah. Oh, family annihilator. <laughs> 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 oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Can I give it another go if you like? Annihilator. Yay! Back in the net. Like Belly in that movie, ah, you know what he does? <laughs> Many thanks to Martin there for those yeah, two little brilliant pieces. Tales, yeah, brilliant tales, really good research. Of things with them, you know what I mean? But what we're going to do, we're going to keep rolling here now yeah. um, with another listener story. That's right. So we've got one here. This one's from Rich. Cheers, Rich. Yeah, so I'm really happy about you reaching out to me there, mate. A really nice message you sent us and everything like that. So this is, uh, and this is what he's written. It says, hello, Matt, and hello, Benny. Hello. I've got to be polite. <laughs> Hope the lighthouse is cosy and dolphins aren't fucking around too much, the twats. <laughs> They're not bad, actually. <laughs> so, a little story on a strange incident that happened to me, and I haven't told anyone. So he's never told oh, anyone. Hey, it's hey, the first hey, time hey, we're airing this, you know what I mean? So that's why we're just saying his first name, Rich. Yeah, right? yeah. Around 2010 or 2011, I'd been living in a nice uh, one-bedroom flat in South London. 
He had a nice little garden, cosy front room, decent kitchen, and a chippy round the corner. Oh, oh, I got it all. I like it. Oh, that's the best. And he said, it's ace. Me and my cats were just chilling out and enjoying life. Yeah. And it was autumn time. The weather was turning, and the tree-lined streets slowly turning orange with fallen leaves and darkness of the night starting earlier and earlier. One night, as I was snuggling down to sleep after reading a book, there was a faint scratching sound. And I put it down to the cats being pricks messing about the front <laughs> room, right? <laughs> but the sound got louder, and I saw both cats were curled up at the end of the bed. Oh, shit. A bit odd. So I'm quite cynical. So again, I thought logically it could be mice. Yeah. And the scratching got quite loud, and it was definitely coming from the bedroom window. Oh, fuck. And because it was a basement flat, the window was head high in the bedroom. But in the garden, it was roughly knee high. So you can imagine that he had to get up a small set of stairs and into the garden. So that's the way he'd have to get out. He'd go out, a little set of stairs, you're up there. The scratching continued. And I was by this time a little freaked out. I had to think, really? So he thought, foxes? Yeah. So the foxes were a common sight around the streets, and I thought that must be it. Scratching still happens. So I threw open the curtains, expecting to see a fox playing in the window. I saw nothing, just the empty garden and the orange from the glow of the street lamps beyond. The foxes must have heard me and scampered away. I thought. The scratching played on my mind, but I put it down to probably just foxes. Now the next night, I was thinking about the previous scratching and worried that foxes were trying to get to the cats. So I did a lockdown, making sure the cats were safe indoors, the cat flat was locked, and there was nothing to entice the foxes into the garden. And I settled down for a night's sleep. This time harder and faster. So hard it screeched like a knife across a plate. Oh, shit! It's Danny Glick! <laughs> From Salem's Lot. <laughs> Look in at the window! <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Now, this scared me, but I wasn't going to hide away under the covers. I threw open the curtains again, and nothing. Silence and an empty garden. It was the same garden, but somehow this time more bleak and empty. And the cats were freaked out too. Ears back, fur all spiky. Something had spooked them. Something had spooked me. That night I slept with one eye open. And the next night I was slightly worried the scratching was going to start again. I checked the locks, checked the cats, checked under the bed, checked the garden for foxes, and I checked under the bed again. Yeah. <laughs> I was slightly nervous to go to sleep, but the house was calm. The cat's happy curled up on the sofa, all good, but most importantly, no scratching. The previous night's noise had scared me, but it felt it was okay this night, and I just drifted off to sleep. As I was drifting off, I felt, well, all I can describe it as, a cold, clawed hand grabbed me round the calf and yanked my leg from the bed. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Bolt upright in bed, looking around for what had grabbed me, ready to go. Oh. Right? There's nothing, but the cats were going mad. They were hissing, going bonkers. And I sprang up from my bed, searching the flat for what had grabbed me. And there was nothing. I moved out of that flat not long after. And that's a shame, as a chippy was good. <laughs> 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 oh, I 
I, I love Vane's logic. And he says, yeah, and they sell pickled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I've got no idea what happened those three nights. Foxes, a waking dream or nightmare, I have no clue, but I know it was fucking weird and it shit me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's all lovely, jeez, eh? Anyway, lads, I'm off to eat pickled eggs and crisps like proper southerner. <laughs> Maybe a fish finger sardi as well. Happy casting. I wanted to say you two have cheered me up at bleak times and I've been shining light in the dark. Thanks, lads. Oh, great. thank you, man. I tell you one thing you can write. Jesus yeah. Christ, it was like MR James at some point. What, Mr. That? James? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on like Mr. James. <laughs> you love a chippy. If you ever up north, I'll get you a bite, mate. Yeah, that brilliant. It. And some chips. Oh, yeah, I am. Pickle eggs. Get them all. So, because I had that experience with that hand in the middle at night. You really? Know, there were no scratches. We did it on. Uh, Where did ball. you grab you? <laughs> right on balls. And <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't like. Mine were a warm hand and it would just. Oh, it didn't yank me. Warm? Yeah, it were a warm female hand. We did it on Cove a couple of years ago. And I'm, I sprang out of that bait. It fucking shit me. But to get. You need to grab you and to yank your leg. Oh god, that's really fucking frightening. And that lead up to it, like it's coming, it's getting closer. You know, getting through the window, it's in there. Oh, that's oh. the thing. That was very MR James, wasn't it? Yeah, the fact yeah. it was, it was like it, 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 it built up and built up. It's yeah. eventually grabbing. Oh, like it was working its way oh. in, like some rat, ghostly rat getting in. Well, it's very like the mesotint, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was very yeah. much like that, you yeah. know. But thank you so much, Rich. Yeah, really appreciate that. So well written, yeah, absolute really. champion. <laughs> we haven't got a prize this, this year round, have we? For, yeah, uh, but for, so for far, he's got it. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant bit of writing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. Cheers. Well, I think we'll move away from spooky London now, yeah, right? Yeah. To something a bit closer home for me and you. Right. We're going to take a deep dive into spooky and haunted lighthouses. Oh, <laughs> fantastic subject! <laughs> yes, this is one of my favourites. I'm a bit asleep tonight, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to really, really rattle our cage, isn't it? <laughs> well, like you say, what we're doing is get right pissed. That's yeah, all yeah, yeah. We'll pass out. Yeah, we won't go to sleep. That's it. Haunted lighthouses on Halloween. Come on. <laughs> so this one is from a, um, the Murder Is Everywhere blog spot. This story. The right? Murder Is Everywhere. Yeah, that's, that's it. A it's title. a but it's a famous um, it's, uh, it's a famous story. Is this one? Yeah. It's a tr true story. Is this cool. one? It's going to come up. It, that, it's it's, in, it's from a few different sources, but this is the one I particularly picked out. So thank you very much to Murder Is Everywhere. One Scottish lighthouse became famous when one of the keepers murdered the other. The island where the lighthouse is situated went on sale in 2017, giving rise to new interest in the tragedy. It took place in 1960, a murder that I doubt would never happen today. Little Ross Island Lighthouse was the scene of the crime in 1960. On that fateful day, 18th of August, a young boy called David Collin was out on, on his boat, and he and his dad were going for a picnic to the island of Little Ross. They set off from Kirkudbright, I think it's Kukubri, I think yeah, it's called, is that? Do. Yeah. Down at the southwestern tip of Scotland to explore the island. And they pulled their little boat up on the beach and noted there was no sign of life around the island. No signs of the lighthouse keepers, Hugh Clark and Robert Dickinson. It was David's dad's day off from his job as a bank manager in Kukubri, 
and the lad was the sailor. So the dad was going along with him to enjoy some father son time. So the lad's sailing his little ship, yeah. dad's sitting back That's going, well done, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice, good time, isn't it? So it's a fine sunny day on the island while the weather forecast was good. They did sense something was different from the previous time they'd visited the island. Usually one of the keepers would be visible going about their business. There would be a greeting, a wave, a shout of good morning, but on this occasion there was a note in the field. Being polite, they knocked on the lighthouse door just to say they were on the island, but there was no response. So they went off to have their picnic in a sheltered spot. And while they were eating, the wind caught the sound of a phone ringing. And ringing. And ringing. It was left unanswered. Mr. Collin thought it might be wise to check the cottages before they left Little Ross. Here are the words of David Collin, a boy at the time, now a retired architect. My father eventually plucked up fortitude and went into one of the houses. In fact, we both went into the house on the right, the principal keeper's house. Everything was spick and span, neat, clean, tidy, beautiful. A budgie sang in its cage, no sign of anyone. My father went into the second house, but I didn't know him. And he promptly came running out again and said, Get help if you can, there is a man with an ailment in his bed. They alerted another boat that they knew was lobster fishing nearby, and the crew came ashore. Together they entered the cottage, and then the bedroom where they discovered the old man, lying in his bed with his head wrapped in a towel. They knew he was dead. They immediately contacted the police, and then they waited. Nobody was thinking they had discovered a murder. They thought it was a natural death or the result of some illness. Three hours later, help arrived on the island, and it became evident the lighthouse keeper had been killed. Later, it would be confirmed that Hugh Clark had been shot with a 2-2 rifle by his assistant, Robert Dixon. Shot in the head. Dixon had gone on the run to Yorkshire, right, but was caught and brought back to Dumfries for trial. He had prepared for his escape, stealing money, but so little money it couldn't have kept him going for a month. Despite a defence plea of mental illness, Dixon was convicted of murder, and as the law was in those days, he was sentenced to hang. But many people were uneasy at the sentence, as it was obvious that Dixon was suffering from severe mental health issues, which were evidenced in his medical history. So they were sort of like worried about his medical history. But the judge directed the 15-man jury to a guilty verdict in the death sentence. And one of his arguments was that Dixon had the presence of mind to steal the money. And that indeed, he felt that theft of the money was the entire reason that the crime was committed. So others would argue that it was a pitiful amount of money to kill for. And that there must have been a degree of impairment in mental function in Dixon. That if he thought that those things would last him any length yeah, of time. Sure, yeah. So the death penalty was eventually reduced to life in prison, but it didn't matter because Dixon committed suicide in jail. He doesn't say how he died, he doesn't say how he killed himself, you know what I mean? Yeah, something like that, you know, it's all for, you know, I don't know, but it's like... So basically, you think he got himself to bed with towel around, like, fuck, you know, he shot me in the head and wrapped the towel around his own head and... I'm not sure whether I'm of the opinion, I... If it was my my thinking of this scene, 
I think he's probably maybe even put the towel on his head as a muffle the shot oh, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I think he's played in it like that. Oh, he shot him and he's seen all the blood and thought, oh my god, yeah, just chuck a done? towel over it, get you yeah. know, hide oh, me crying a little bit and then fled. Oh, so I don't know he's got off the island or anything. I mean, the little boat on that with his 2 2 rifle, all crazy. Yeah. Oh, chopping oh, his it. teeth and stuff. I'm glad they didn't hang him though because I had that image of like hanging a crazy man. That must be, that's awful, isn't it? You know what I mean? He's gibbering and screaming and Carrying on, and that's what they all do. They don't <laughs> 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 go right politely, do they? Oh, oh this way, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're going to win. Let's get on with this show. <laughs> no, I don't. It's a weird one, though, mm, isn't it? Nasty. You know what I mean? Especially Paul Kidd, you know what I mean? That, that will burn your brain off, won't it? That, well, you know, that's the man. issue you have, though, is it's the isolation, does yeah. it, for you? Yeah, that's what does it for you. It's, it's, you know, you, it can send you. We know ourselves, don't we? That's yeah, what it's, you know, yeah. It can I'm send you a bit crazy. Well crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. <laughs> goes back to something we've spoken about before an incident we talked about when we did the uh, Inishmore lighthouse incident right oh yeah that's it it was the, yeah, it was the oh, same one yeah, alright yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change name on me fucking hell you know what I'm like put rug out around your little thing trying to make me look a tit <laughs> in front of everybody <laughs> Don't you worry, you don't need me to make you look good. Yeah. <laughs> I do quite well about myself, <laughs> So this is a Smalls Lighthouse incident. This is from Atlas Obscura, but it's from a lot of different sites, is this? It's, it's yeah. a very well-known well story, is this? Though they shared a name, it's said that the two lighthouse keepers, the towering Thomas Griffith and the middle-aged Thomas Howell, didn't get along. Right? And they could empty pubs with one of their heated arguments. Shit. So I think when they get a bit pissed yeah, up, they just kick off. Yeah. Yeah. In the winter of 1800-1801, the two men were stuck on the remote island of, uh, in Wales. Right, that's where this is situated. Yeah. 20 miles from shore, operating Smalls Lighthouse. The brutal winter weather turned what should have been a month-long stay into a gruelling, almost five-month then, four months into their stay, things got worse. Griffith took ill, according to Ivor Emelin's 1858 account, or perhaps he fell, as Christopher P. Nicholson writes in the Rock Lighthouses of Britain. Howell hoisted up a distress flag, likely an inverted Union Jack, but no help came. Stars are that bad. That's it. After weeks of suffering, Griffith died. For the next three weeks, Howell's only companion was Griffith's rotting corpse. Now, when we say this is on an island, this yeah. is just on a rock. Oh, it's not no. a proper island, it's just on a lump oh. of rock. It's a lump of rock, lighthouse on it, that's it. Oh. So he feared that casting the body into the sea would implicate him in Griffith's death. Yeah, like he's got already yeah, evidence, yeah. that's it. So, after all, everyone knew they didn't get along. So Howell, trained as a woodworker, 
assembled a makeshift coffin for his departed colleague and secured it to the lighthouse's railings. <laughs> they hung him outside oh in his coffin, right? After three weeks, though, a massive sea swell tore the coffin apart, scattering Griffith's remains across the beach. Oh, God! Howell again secured Griffith's body to the best he could, this time to the outside gallery. So it's the up on the on yeah, the on the yeah. thing. So every time you had to go up and tend the light, yeah, he'd look out a window and his body was there. <laughs> Googly eyes and that. Ship after ship attempted to land on the island to relieve the desperate keepers, with no knowledge that only one remained. According to Nicholson, one ship managed to get close enough to see a man leaning motionless on the gallery next to the flag of distress, his hand waving freely as if trying to attract attention. Oh, God. Unable to dock, the ship took home the news that the keepers were managing. The light was still lit after all. The ship's captain didn't realise the hand flopping in the wind belonged to a dead man. <laughs> During a brief reprieve from the storms, a boat from Milford made another attempt. And when it successfully arrived, the sailors were overtaken by the smell of rot. And then Howell emerged, seemingly more dead than alive, an unrecognisable shell of a man. He'd been driven mad by the solitude. He was completely raving. I have heard this before. You, when we did Flannan, I, I, I delved into it. Not as good as you. <laughs> <laughs> I did it really spazzy, but I've heard that. And I heard about the hand as well. It didn't just wave to its ship, but it was banging up wind and all sorts yeah, of stuff. Clattering around. Yeah, yeah, you could hear him all the time. Like you say, like, he was like moving in front of wind and all sorts oh. of that. I don't think he lasted long. Uh, he did go completely crazy, yeah. but he died like probably like months afterwards. Well, and that's the reason why they went to a three men in the lighthouse. Ah, that's, yeah. that's where they sort of did it then so that you're not know, a witness really yeah. isn't it? well I think he's a witness but also say like if one man needs help you know if yeah. something happens to one it means the other's not left all alone yeah. you've got to be able to work the shifts you know what I mean it's and sort of stuff out there's only two of us then you know well I think the class P has been sort of the oh, yeah, third true. man sometimes but yeah. he just fucks off on piss for months <laughs> I ain't seen him in fucking weeks <laughs> <laughs> well that's probably a bit of bonus to be honest I don't want him kicking it, around the house uh, <laughs> Those who brings us shopping next week, they'll be due a load of beer. I know, that's <laughs> it. Thing is, you see, Arcade, is that there's been a few lighthouses over the last sort of like decade or so. We've gone up for sale. Yeah, they're fucking expensive. Wow. Well, it depends what you see as expensive. There's one here, right? And it, you know, the Point Air Lighthouse, right? Comes with two acres of beach. You get your own island, right? Spotty bastard. Uh, you get, well, you don't, sorry, you don't get the, the island. You actually get the beach, two acres of beach. And nice. everything like. You get the lighthouse, 100,000. Is that all? Yeah. Does it still work? Do you have to do it? Is it a doer upper? Well, it says for sale. Converted lighthouse comes with two acres of beach, fantastic views of the Welsh coastline, and a resident ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's the Point Air Lighthouse near Talaka on the northeastern coast of Wales. It's been put on the market for hundred thousand. This was of 2011. So yeah. it might, it's probably it's probably sold been out that. Yeah. yeah. But timid buyers should beware because a tower has a history of paranormal activity. 
The most common ghost sighting is of a figure dressed in work clothes, standing on a balcony, and footprints on the beach below. And paranormal investigators who have visited the property have reported spooky vibes, the sound of laughter, and a name being called out. So it's all a bit weird. Fucking is, you know, especially that, you know, when someone's just stood dead, you kind of think, yeah, so it's, it's like some, uh, oh, it's awful, isn't it? You look yeah. up, some big workman dude, yeah, down, looming over. Yeah, you go down to the beach and that load of footprints of massive work boot prints, <laughs> and they're like, oh shit! <laughs> Well, that's it. So, among stories online about spooky happenings at the lighthouse, Adam Corkill from Stockport described seeing a figure of a man up in the top tower who appeared to be fixing equipment. However, when the group he was with approached the bottom of the lighthouse, the padlock seemed to be fully locked and the figure disappeared. Neil Hayden from Birkenhead said, When I was 16, me and my best mate used to go and visit a relative of his in Talaker. The occasion that sticks out in my mind was while on the beach we saw what can only be described as one massive footprint. Like nothing human size. The footprint was pointing towards the lighthouse and as we stared at each other in panic there was an almighty bang from inside the lighthouse. And we ran back towards the dunes and turned around to see somebody shining a torch at us. And this was about 8 o'clock at night just going dusk. Not only did the torch business frighten us, but the footprint too, which, believe it or not, disappeared within the 15 minutes it took us to go get a witness. No high tide, no one on the beach, and no sign of the footprint being rubbed out. Other people described the dogs refusing to go near the lighthouse. Investigations by the Pathfinder Paranormal Investigators recorded strange sounds and unusual lights. Psychics in the team reported that the spirit of a man called Raymond, who was once a lighthouse man there, died of a fever and as well as four other spirits may still be connected to the property now, i'm not too sure about that you know what i mean yeah. but it's, you have an idea i think dying of a fever is quite you know like an ugly death isn't it? i wouldn't like to go in a fever you know hallucinating and bad dreams and shit that's it you know i think i think that's it it's not a nice way to go is it you know you're not at peace are you, you know what I mean? paul sanderson from stoke-on-trent said my grandparents always went to rill for their annual holidays i was a young boy and my mother had a brother named Geoffrey Moses, and he was fascinated by the lighthouse. And he said to my mother, one day I will own that lighthouse. And a few years later it came on the market and was up for sale, and he was so excited and thrilled he was going to buy it. Alas, as he put his offer in, he immediately became very ill and died in 1966, aged 38. My grandparents had never gotten over it. So that's a bit of a bad one, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. So it's like, you know, yeah. Straight away. Yeah. Saying it's got every potential for a good residential use, apparently, saying you did convert it. You know, the lighthouse is grade two listed, it's probably 60 feet high and 18 feet in diameter. So I'd love that, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's cosy, but not about him looming about all the time with big boys. Well, the guy with the big boots and the workman hammering away, banging away, and stuff like that, and that'd be pretty scary, wouldn't it? You know. So what's telly with that going on? You try to watch Airwolf with a like. Fucking hell! Put it down.
that particular lighthouse don't sort of grab you. You know, yeah, you I'm all right. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go back to it. I'll go back yeah, to we'll, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it, we'll pencil it in, shall <laughs> we? We'll put it in. Well, there's another one went up for sale. This one um, went on uh, for sale February t- uh, 2013. So, you know, it's a few, about yeah. 10 years ago now, you know, maybe something like that, you know. And, um, this is much more of a past trick. Yeah, yeah, sell it to me, Skip. We don't know the price of it. Right. right. And it's called Flat Home Island. Right. And it's a really interesting place, right? So you get the you get the well the lighthouse you don't get to keep it. The oh, lighthouse wow. is on the island, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. Say. So is that still owned by the Trinity House um, people, right? Yeah. They still own that and run it as a lighthouse. Yeah. What you do get you get two helipads, gun batteries from the from the Second World War. <laughs> yeah. And a pub. Oh what? That's it. Machine guns, do I get anti air? Anti aircraft batteries. Wow. I think that's what it is, you know what I mean? But I think it's probably might even be stationary for shipping and things like this, you yeah. know what I mean? Because it's a tactical spot, you know. So oh, might be a- two helipads? I know. <laughs> so they don't know what the price is yet for Flat Home Island, but it could soon become the most exclusive address in Wales and the plans by Cardiff Council to sell it off as part of its budget cuts. Flat Home's new owner, whose only neighbours would be the swarms of breeding gulls, mm-hmm. would join the likes of billionaire Richard Branson in owning their own island. Right. I don't think you can compare. I mean, he owns lovely tropical yeah, islands. This is off the coast of Wales. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it does look like an incredibly interesting place, does oh, this wow. one? You know what I mean? So the island was leased to the council in 1896 by the Marquis of Bute. But its history of occupation dates back to at least the Anglo Saxon and Viking times. Wow, a bit of history. Yeah, a little bit of history going on there, right? And today it's a site of special scientific interest thanks to its huge gold colony and maritime grassland with its tranquil beauty attracting about 2,000 visitors a year. So, popular bird watching spot, really peaceful, looks <laughs> looks so pretty. Don't look, look at it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Oh, I just imagine me in the middle of it in my anti-aircraft gun and that, with all dolphins <laughs> trying to fuck with me and seagulls and that. Get some! Get some! <laughs> <laughs> Well, the good thing is, it's the uh, the, the pub's called the Gullen Leak. That's wow, open. the Gullen Leak. Gullen Leak, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, that sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, so you get that. Yeah. The lighthouse itself is uh, it's a hundred foot tall, grade two listed lighthouse, but that's owned by Trinity House. So Does it run itself? It'll be one of them. That yeah, runs it's automated. Itself. That's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to do all that. We I'm hoping it, it doesn't say whether it's got LEDs or not, or it's got a yeah. sweeping beam. I'm, hoping, I'm thinking because it's on an island, I think it'll have a sweeping beam. I tell you what, uh, GeForce came up with one last week, and I, I, I might have to do some research see if he's in, in, in spouting shite. <laughs> 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 Sorry, GeForce, I'm only pulling your chain, mate. But he said that we only used to get the sweeping light of Flambra in Caravan because you know Brig kind of comes in on that like that that bay, yeah, and it comes into the bay does the sweep. And normally you wouldn't get it, you know, the rest of it you don't sweep into a brief. You know, we only got it because we were on that cove. Mm. Uh, the thing is, as well, that the, 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 you, you have a full sweep on the lighthouse beam yeah. because it's, yeah. it's a three. Well, what the, the, sometimes what they do is you might not get the full thing because the inland side of it, there's a good chance they'll sort of mask off that. Yeah, that's what he was saying. Yeah, sorry, there was a sweeping beam, but it kind of blocked it off the bridge. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, otherwise it'd be, it'd be, it'd be shining. It, actually, in Bridlington, yeah, you wouldn't, wouldn't really yeah, see yeah. it. It's kind of brush your off. teeth and they fall downstairs. Coming out the window. Don't stop you. <laughs> Bit of a theme, isn't it? <laughs> but the thing is, you see, with this thing, they're all top, like you're saying, you get your pub, you get your, your oh, seagull aye. colony, everything like that. But the 
might be hiding a few little cracks in oh, this like, thing. So I think what we need to is delve a little bit. <laughs> yeah, deeper. man. So I've done a little bit of research into this, right? So from a small outcrop in the Bristol Channel, Flat Home has certainly played a big part in history. It can look idyllic with its blanket of spring bluebells, whitewashed lighthouse, and swooping colonies of birds. But the tiny island of Flat Home, three miles out from Lavernock Point, and a familiar sight for the Cardiff coastline, holds stories which are anything but. Indeed, this rocky outcrop, just 500 metres in diameter, is steeped in tales of death, disease, and starvation. Oh, God. This is, for instance, it's said that not only were the murderers of Thomas Beckett buried there, but an invading army of warrior Danes was left to starve to death on its shores. It was also once home to a cholera station where sick and infectious patients from all over Europe were sent to live out their last days. Yeah, that's bleak as shit. Horrible, isn't it? And in addition, Flat Home provided plenty of firepower in the fight against Hitler's forces in World War II. <laughs> yeah. However, 1170 was the year when uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury was assassinated, that's Thomas Becker, yeah. by a group of knights from the West Country who overheard, and took quite literally, King Henry II when he uttered the now infamous words, Will no one rid me of this turbulent priest? <laughs> right. So they just took it on themselves, alright, we will. Yeah, so, while he's having a prayer, they went and stabbed him on, uh, in church. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So Henry and the Archbishop had been at loggerheads for many years, and his murder would send shockwaves through the medieval world. And one of the time-worn stories about what happened to his killers tells how Sir William de Tracy and his counterparts were dug up and reburied on the Welsh island. And then the reason they did that is because there was such a controversial thing that they did. You know, yeah. they thought, look, let's just get rid of the bodies, bury them off somewhere, in the middle yeah, of nowhere, yeah, yeah. and that is the most... About, yeah. Exactly, that was the idea about it. And even earlier than this, though, in the early 10th century, a band of marauding Vikings encamped on the island and turned it into a base of sorts. Indeed, the word home derives from the old Norse River Island, right? Not where you get your pants and your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> However, the conditions on flat home were so harsh and food so scarce that they almost starved to death there. Legend had it that they'd be pillaging their way along the Welsh coast until they were finally dispatched by a Saxon army from Hereford and Gloucester. Some of the Vikings would finally escape flat home for Difford, and from there they moved into, onto Ireland. And then in 1883, a makeshift hospital was authorised on the island to protect Cardiff from shipborne cholera. Wales's capital had already been hit hard by the disease. By that point, overcrowded with poorly ventilated housing and dirty drinking water. And 383 people were killed when an epidemic swept the city in 1849. I mean, it's just horrible just shitting yourself to death, aren't you? Absolutely. Well, this is 1883, so it's about 800 years after Vikings. Oh, right. I'm just saying you have to take one. Viking or shit. I think I'd take a Viking. Have they been killed by no, not like that? <laughs> it sounded like that. In July 1883, a steamship called Rishanglis left three seamen on the island after it was believed they were suffering from cholera, and one of whom subsequently died. So basically, what they're doing is anything happens with cholera, chuck them on the island. You know. Oh. So five, so nine years later, after a serious outbreak of cholera in Hamburg, Germany. Five infected vessels were discovered and moored off flat home, so they just thought, oh my god, we've just got 
and these, these ships are full of cholera. And just all they did just towed them off to to the island and uh, off the shore there for everyone to just die. Just awful. Are we all supping in our pub? I don't fucking like this. <laughs> <laughs> Vikings and cholera people. It'd be a right rough house. I know. Well, eventually in 1896, they did pro- a proper like a proper sanatorium. They built a, whole, a proper hospital on there for yeah. the cholera patients. But basically, he's like a plague island, you know. Uh, I mean, and then like, we've got the pub. Yeah, we got uh. the pub. <laughs> <laughs> but. There was one more incident that you might like, and oh, it's right. more associated with the lighthouse, is this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And it was when the lighthouse keeper died, right? And it was so remote, it was really difficult work on there, right? And his wife, because it used to be a thing where uh, the light, the, actually, pretty, especially on the Welsh and Irish coasts, that the lighthouse keeper, his first in command, who was yeah. his wife. First in command. So, well, well, they'd send them as a family, so they'd live together yeah. as, as like housekeepers. They wouldn't be sort of going in like as a team of blokes on and off and on and off. They'd just live there. That was their home. Yeah. So but wife were in charge. Oh no, she'd be sort of she'd be sort of second in command. Right, she'd be sort of like you know first officer. He'd be like housekeeper. Yeah. You're the next next in line would be his wife. Yeah, you yeah. know. And even then, sometimes they'd be hiring the children and things like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Until you fell out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 getting ugly there, <laughs> wasn't it? You know. <laughs> but in this situation, on flat home um, the lighthouse keeper died yeah. so the wife just struggled on all alone carrying on the gruelling task of collecting coal and lighting the brazier which is a firelight up in the yeah. top you know boat crews noticed that light hadn't shone for a few days so they landed on the island and to their horror they discovered the wife's rat gnawed body oh. the exertion had proved too much for her but because they didn't. They, they didn't have the, the boat that they had. They couldn't bring the body back with them. So they thought we've, we've got to send more help to go collect the body. Yeah. So they thought, what do you do with the body? Try get it high up or something. Exactly. They dragged the body up into the lighthouse onto the railings and lashed it to the railings there, right, oh, to God. deter the ravenous rats. Oh, and the gulls are back in her eyes. When they returned to collect the body, it had completely disappeared. What? And it's said that the ghost of the woman still walks around the island today. And when it's quiet, you can hear her crying out in pain. Oh, God. Oh, oh. sounds a right place, doesn't it? <laughs> Jesus, wept. Oh, else? What else do you want? <laughs> I don't know. I've had no. enough. You've had bishop murderers. You've had cholera. In it. Oh, that gnarly pod. I don't want it anymore. Yeah, I fought kid. Nazis. Oh, well, well, I'm quite a good bit. <laughs> oh, take a, take a, take a, get some. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? I still, I still think I'd like to give it a go. On that Would island. you? I don't know. Who comes to a pub anyway? Is anyone else living there? I don't think you get tons of visitors, which is how I like it. Yeah, doing it, yeah. We just us doing it, pub. <laughs> just waiting, you know what I mean? It'd be great. Hey, we'll be good I think that's all we need to. But I don't think they're going to let us away from uh, Kraken Cove anytime soon, do you? Yeah, true, yeah. We've got to do his burden, haven't we? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs>
so we'll just round out, you see, the uh, the, the old lighthouse stories. Oh, they're fucking brilliant. Yeah, they're good fun, aren't they? But from uh, one from uh, a book which I intend to get. Now, I can't remember who the uh, listener was, but we had an inquiry about books to recommend about lighthouses. Oh, nice. Because they, they really love sea shaken houses. So I have got a recommendation for you. And it is uh, Michigan's Haunted Lighthouses by Diane Stampler. Brilliant. So we've got one of her little accounts on here. This one comes from South Manitou Island Lighthouse on a small sleepy island about 45 miles northwest of Traverse City. Where's this? Alright, yeah. I think the clue was in the uh, name of the book, which is Michigan's Haunted Lighthouse. <laughs> I thought it were landlocked, but these are another Michigan. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like Texas or something. Mm. Not too sure, really, that, but you know. I'd imagine yeah. that Michigan's haunted lighthouse is going to be plenty of Yeah, alright, alright. Alright, Nobbit. Between 1866 and 1878, Civil War veteran Aaron Sheridan and his new bride Julia operated the lighthouse. Julia was officially recognised as the lighthouse's assistant keeper in 1871 along with many other women who work both as keepers and assistant keepers, even today. Over the course of 12 years there, the couple had six sons. So I got busy with it. Yeah, yeah, plenty of help then. Then, on March the 15th, 1878, Aaron, Julia and their youngest son Robert were returning from the Michigan mainland with the help of a local sailor named Christ Ankerson. Shit. <laughs> the waters were calm until they neared the lighthouse. And the wind went down, and one of the old seas kept sighing the boat. So it's one of the one of the old seas, as in the big old tragic, sort of almost like a biblical storm wow. sort of thing, swept up. And that's what uh, Christ Ankerson said. The minutes ticked by as Christ, Aaron, Julia, and little Robert clung to the overturned boat, screaming for help. Baby Robert was the first to go, dying in Julia's arms. Then Aaron. And then Julia too slipped beneath the waves. Oh, God, one by one. Only Ankerson survived. After four and a half hours holding onto the slippery hull of the boat. Oh, the bodies of the family were never uh, never washed ashore, but their ghosts, according to legend, still haunt the remote lighthouse. Visitors have reported hearing the echoes of voices, the sounds of footsteps, and unexplained noises coming from the causeway, which connects the body of Peter's residence to the light tower, like Stampfler. She herself even visited the lighthouse and spent time slowly climbing the tower and listening to the cries of the Sheridans. But the deaths of Julia, Aaron, and Robert isn't the end of the Sheridans family's tragic tale. In 1893, the eldest son, Levi, or Fisk as he liked to be called, died during the collapse of the Big Four Railroad Bridge near Louisville, Kentucky. And George, the next oldest, spent months trying to recover Levi's body, but his brother was never found. George, following in his parents' footsteps, became a lighthouse keeper himself, but for decades he struggled with depression, often leaving his keeper duties to his wife, Sarah. And in early spring 1915, George was visiting his uncle, another keeper, at Gross Point Lighthouse in Illinois. But several days later, on March the 24th, George's body was found hanging from the rafters, an apparent 
Suicide. Oh God, he shouldn't have done being a lighthouse keeper after all that. Those I bad know. memories and that. Oh, gotta get a job. I'll become a lighthouse keeper. Oh, no, but these were the years when you just did what your daddy done, yeah, sort of thing. And that's yeah, just a really true. sort of sad thing about it's it. About fucking brother though. He's just going over a bridge and it all collapsed. And he's yeah, I've not really looked into it, but there was a, a couple of these little bridge collapses and stuff. Mm. I think that that sounded like it was a whopper that, and, yeah. it's, and, and of course he was demolished into the rubble. And his brother must have gone picking through all the, the rubble trying to find him. Tragic could. times, isn't it, back then? Ah, really yeah, rough yeah, life of cheap, wasn't it? Yeah, life of cheap. Ah, so Inkling, you know, took vote though. You know when you get cold hands, you know, oh, when you're I freezing know. in the sea, you see your, your little baby dying in your fucking wife's arms, and then she slips off as well. Well, he, he, he wasn't the oh. father. He was he oh. was like, a, he, I think he was a boatman himself. Right. He was ferrying them ah, to the boat. He, he yeah. was basically like robot. Yeah. All yeah, oh, like, right. Robot yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. <laughs> yeah, but it's bleak. A hard time to be a lighthouse keeper back then. I mean, we got it. We got it easy, us really. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, it's not like that. Not like then. You know. Oh, shit. God, where we are, kid. <laughs> Let's leave those lighthouses. The only one we need is Kraken Cove, isn't it? Oh, that's that. the, yeah, that's the only one we need. But luckily, to Kraken Cove, another little piece of mail has arrived. Has it? It has, and this is from Steph. Cheers, Steph. Now, Steph, this is the second story she oh, sent ah. us before. You're right? She sent us one for last year. Now, I'm going to remind you of it because it's absolutely terrifying, right? And you, you might have forgotten a little bit, but it was in. It, she was a school teacher, I believe, at the time. And the, and the taps, I think, were being turned on. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. The magic boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that was really good. good. That, in fact, if I remember right, I think she did win that book that we had. Yeah, yeah, it was. yeah, I think yeah. it was Magic Boy. It was yeah, terrifying, yeah. so I think it was in the book. So Magic Steph, Boy. <laughs> so luckily, Steph's got back in touch. Oh, thanks, Steph. Yeah, and she says, Hi, guys. Sorry if this is too late for your Halloween episode. It's not. Never too late. But I hope you find it interesting anyway. After you enjoyed my Magic Boy experience I shared last year, I didn't think I had any more stories worth sharing, but my sons reminded me last night about Fred. Oh, wow. My husband's great-uncle Fred used to own the cottage we live in. He didn't live here as far as I know, but he used it as part of the garage and filling station that he ran, so worked here every day. My husband worked for his great-uncle serving petrol at the weekends to earn his keep. Fred passed away about 23 years ago, just after my husband and I got together, and 16 years ago we moved into the cottage. So that's pretty nice, yeah. the family. it's really nice that. On the day we moved in, I was in the bathroom, which leads off the main bedroom. My sons, who were three years old and 11 months old, were in the bedroom. And I distinctly heard an old man's voice say, Hello, oh God. to my boys. And oh the three-year-old wow. boy said, Hello, bye. Oh, wow. So it's someone out on the street, something in the room, and yeah. someone's heard it and oh, replied. And, and I thought this was my husband putting on a funny voice and playing with them until I heard him coming in the front door downstairs and call up to me. Oh, how fast are you going to that room? <laughs> I dashed into the bedroom <laughs> yeah. to see who was talking to my sons, but they were alone. Oh, God. In the chaos of moving in and having young children, I put this incident to the back of my mind, and we got on with our busy lives. Fast forward a few years to when our youngest son was about five. 
One day, the boys were playing and talking about a man who was part of their game. I assumed this was part of their imaginary play, but stopped in my tracks when my youngest said to me, and my husband, I've got a friend who you can't see, but he knows you, and he's called Fred. Ah. And our oldest son joined in, telling us all about Fred, who knows Daddy really well, but we can't see him, and now Fred talks to them quite a lot. Oh, wow. The land where Fred's filling station used to be has since been developed, and the road is called Frederick's Close. <laughs> and I think he still is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <a> good. <laughs> that's really good. Ooh. And she finishes saying, I'm so glad you're back to the podcast. It's my favourite. Oh, thank you, so Thank you for that story. Good joke yeah. at end as well. That was really good. Yeah. It? Proper punchline. I'll tell you what, you know, you know, you get the spooky, like evil ones, but just that bit of just thinking, you know, like proof about ghosts, or proof about some communication with, yeah. you know, stuff. Especially that bit where Fred would want to talk to, obviously, his, his relations, you know, it's just like. Well, that's what I mean about it. It's such a clean story, you see yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's a really yeah. crisp, clean story, and I think there's a lot to that one. And I think Fred, or Frederick, yeah. is close. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, I really so, enjoyed but that. Yeah. So I thought we'd just have a little bit of something just to the end, a little bit of a palate cleanser oh, after that. You, know, you, you don't want anything too scary, do you? No, no. <laughs> so what we've got here, we've got... <gasps> is it the... Oh, what's it called? My Best Friend or something? Yeah, well, it, it, it originally was called... Shit. It was what we were talking about last week. Powwows. Yeah, yeah. Of the um, Long Lost Friend. Yeah. But the original name was The Long Hidden Friend. So what I've done is I've got hold of a copy of The oh Long Hidden God. Friend. And um, what I thought we'd do is have a little look through, because he said before you wanted a few bits and oh, bits not and bits from it, you know what I mean? So what I've done is I've just found out a couple of little bits that might be quite interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah. A good one here is a remedy for, his, uh, for hysterias, right? Yeah. Or mother's fits. All of our stuff don't rage, does it? All of it. It's mental, isn't it? So this is to be used three times. Put that joint of the thumb which sits in the palm of the hand on the bare skin covering a small bone which stands out above the pit of the heart. So you're just putting your thumb joint above your heart yeah. here, right? And speak the following at the same time. Matrix, Patrix, lay thyself right and safe. For thou or I shall on the third day fill the grave. Bloody hell. What you do it to her? That. Yeah. Fucking hell, she back my thumb off if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> she was carrying on and that. <laughs> so for those who don't know, remember this is actually the last episode of this that we actually did a, a, a series about this book. Uh, um, uh, and it's Pennsylvania. So it's, it's actually of German origin, is this book. Uh, the Long Hidden Friend. And it's full of... It's a cure-all, isn't it? Any problem? Have you got any normal day-to-day -day living? Oh, it's in here, honestly, yeah. right? Um, 
and, and it's weird stuff as well to to destroy crab lice, right? Oh, so you get crabs, it, yeah, yeah, you yeah. get crabs. Take capuchin powder, mix it with hog's lard, and smear yourself with it. Spores, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll yeah, yeah. Or, or, or boil camet and wash the place where the lice keep themselves. Oh, you know, you For the sting of a wasp or a bee. It says, a few days ago, happening to be in the country, we witnessed the efficacy of the rem remedy for the sting of a wasp mentioned in one of our late papers. A little boy was stung severely and was in great torture until an onion was applied to the part affected, with the cure being instantaneous. Wow, that's a nice easy one to remember, isn't it? It's rub an onion on it. Yeah, that's it. A good remedy, remedy for those who cannot keep their water, as they get all the piss. <laughs> <laughs> Burn a hog's bladder to powder and take it inwardly. Here's one right to attach a dog to a person. So this is how you, know, you want a dog to be keen on you and stuff. Oh, right, yeah, stuff yeah. Like that, right? This should work provided nothing else was used before to affect it. So if you haven't already been trained in any way, yeah, you mean yeah. but you've got to technically get the dog as it's here. Yeah, get a new dog. Try to draw some of your blood and let the dog eat it along with his food. Wow. Right? And he will stay with you. Or scrape the four corners of your table while you are eating, and continue to eat with the same knife after having scraped the corners of the table. Let the dog eat those scrapings, and he will stay with you. Wow, that's something. That's with yeah. the homestead, your blood, yeah. Well, I think with that one, actually, more than anything, I think it's quite a sensible thing. Basically, you're feeding him mm. off, off bits off your table and looking out for him and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. and then that cure it, that'll help link, you know. But a bit of security against mad dogs now. This wow. is something that's important. Yeah? Dog, hold thy nose to the ground. God has made me and the hound. Wow, I love <laughs> shit. Like, I love to be able to remember. Yeah, that's it. It's amazing. A good method of destroying rats and mice. You've got to repeat the following words. Rats and mice, these three sheaves I give to you in order that you may not destroy any of my wheat. So basically, you just have to sort of like feed them, feed them, keep them away from your stuff. That's again yeah. a sensible sort of right yeah, responses, yeah. things like that. You know. Now this is quite a good one. This is one we want to sort of like work with. Like arts against evil doers. Mm, yeah. yeah. So we've got a couple of these. To go. So this is against slanderers. Mm. If you are slandered to your very skin, to your very flesh, to your very bones. Cast it back up on the false tongues. That's a weird thing, I don't really get that. Mm, he says, what you need to do is take off your shirt and turn it wrong side out. Right. And then run your two thumbs along your body, close under the ribs, starting at the pit of the heart and down to the thighs. Ooh, sexy. <laughs> so if you do that, but if you think about it, weird thing we had, if you remember that woman that who got lost in the woods. Yeah, woods. Irish woman, yeah. turn your clothes inside turn out and clothes. they can't find you. Can't they find you, but bamboozles. Yeah. So that, I think that's what it's Bad words are yeah. coming off you. We do a bit of sexy, can't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. But sometimes if you, if you happen to come across somebody who's spellbound, who's a, you know, there's, there's a little charm here to, uh, to release spellbound persons. You horsemen and footmen, whom I hear conjured at this time, you may pass on in the name of Jesus Christ to the word of God and the will of Christ. Ride ye on now. Pass. Wow. So that's, that's almost like getting yeah. a spell out of them. You know. Power of yeah. Christ will well, here's a good one. To compile a thief to turn stolen goods. Well, I like that. Early in the morning before sunrise, you must go to a pear tree and take with you three nails out of a coffin, or three horseshoe nails that are never used. 
and holding these towards the rising sun, you must say, O thief, I bind you by the first nail, which I drive into thy skull and thy brain, to return the goods thou hast stolen to their former place. Thou shalt feel as sick and as anxious to see men, and to see the place you stole from, as felt the disciple Judas after betraying Jesus. I bind thee by the other nail, which I drive into your lungs and liver, to return the stolen goods to their former place. Thou shalt feel as sick as anxious to see men, and to see the place you have stolen from, as did Pilate in the fires of hell. The third nail I shall drive into thy foot, O thief, in order thou shalt return the stolen goods to the very same place from which thou hast stolen them. O thief, I bind thee and compel thee, by the three holy nails which were driven through the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, to return the stolen goods to the very same place from which thou hast stolen them. And the three nails, however, must be greased with a grease from an executed criminal or other sinful person. Why is your pack of seafood crisp back again? <laughs> it compels me! It compels me! I wonder me. where they've gone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So we've got one more here, which is a charm to gain advantage of a man of superior strength. Wow, so being sweet. Tussled, yeah. yeah. So you have to say your own name. So you say, I'd say, I, Matt, breathe upon thee. Three drops of blood I take from thee. The first out of thy heart, the other out of thy liver, and the third out of thy vital powers. Whoa. And in this I deprive thee of thy strength and manliness. Oh, I'll be, be done anyway with my breath. It was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You've been eating bab sandwiches. <laughs> and the last little charm it says in the back of this here, it says, whoever carries this book with them is safe from all his enemies, visible or invisible. And whoever has this book with him cannot die without the holy corpse of Jesus Christ, nor drowned in any water, nor burn up in any fire, nor can any unjust sentence be passed upon him. So help me. Oh, what a book that's it. Yeah. Look that you got it. <laughs> you read it all. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's well, that's the good thing about it, this particular book. It's sort of like, you know, it's if you think it went it, it, back to the Pennsylvania murders and sort of hex murders. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they had to get rid of the book first. Yeah. If they didn't get rid of the book, oh, they couldn't yeah. kill it. Couldn't burn it because down. Because the book was this talisman of protection. Yeah. So there you, you, you got have. your own. Yes. Yeah. All you need now is you need your own. Yeah. That's what I mean. You need that. You can't have that on telly, can you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got one. I'm in your shadow. I might be all right. You know. Now <laughs> <laughs> I just get lucky. <laughs> well, guys, we hope you have a really happy Halloween. It's been a bit of a bumper episode. Yeah. But yeah. Um, hopefully you've had some fun and enjoyed it. And um, we probably won't be back next week. Probably the week after because yeah, we've got lots yeah. of stuff to do. So we're going back to Fortnite for a little yeah. while but hopefully we'll, we'll get back to weekly if we can yeah happy yeah. Halloween dudes have a spooky one for Benny yeah. so it says spooky bye bye from Matt and it's a big bye bye from Benny take care guys <laughs> there are three ways you may contact Kraken Coles either by email at podcast at gmail.com on twitter at Kraken Cove or Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!